97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels really important today, but all in all, always an important topic. We have my good friend and business partner here in the Whale Club, Paul Sparks, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. Now, we started this show because a wise man once stated, you look at the last three years of your business and took all the negative months and turned them to zeros, what happened to your bottom line? That wise man was Dan Nicholson. So we are here to help you achieve financial certainty by rigging the game in your favor. Now, I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. If you get value today, please share this episode right now. <clears throat> that way we can all grow together. And we're going to open some loops here for you guys. Don't try to Google. Don't try to close these loops. All I ask is keep the loops as open as possible. Be as receptive as possible so that you know you can absorb more of this. Before we get into the topic, let's talk about a six-word update. So for myself, I put playing your game requires deep introspection. What do you got, Paul? Well, I want to hear more about that. That's a good one because we, uh, we, we both listen to uh, you know Nick and Dan all the time, and um, I, I think that probably came from the call we had with Randy mm-hmm. uh, back uh, over Thanksgiving break. We could go right now. Yeah, man, what a what a what a crazy brain that guy's got, huh? Yeah, yeah. For you guys that don't know, Randy Massengill is the uh, he's the mentor to our mentor Dan oh. Nicholson. Dan helped Microsoft build their business Treasury uh, in the early two thousands, and his mentor was Randy Massengill, who was the mentor to uh, Bill Gates when right. he was diffusing the internet way back when. So uh, a little humble brag, right? We got right. to hang out with him this weekend and, you know, he was really tearing us, tearing into us, right? The introspection is critical to really understand how to play your game. That's the heart of it. Yeah. Um, and it's the hardest like part, that. right? I mean, he really deep dove into what made, there were four or five people on the call he was able to go through and really figure out how we tick, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding how someone ticks, now we can design a business or design a system around you that maximizes your strength. Right. Yeah, it's great. So mine was relationships are my mm. number one currency. Mm. There's something recently that, that brought, brought about that realization reminded you. Yes. As a matter of fact, um, I, 
as you know, have sort of recently started this journey into personal branding. Um, you know, you and I got to know each other and you're like, dude, you got to start like, you got to start putting yourself out there a little bit more. So, you know, so I started doing that over the last six months and started a podcast where I could interview, you know, I was obviously inspired by what you've done and I've been in your world for a long time. And what I learned about you is you have a a way of just bringing on your friends, Uh people, you know, well, and just asking them about how they got started in real estate. And I'm like, that's not that hard. I think I could do that. Um, and so one of the very first guests that I had, uh, actually he was the first guest that I had here in the studio. Uh, his name's Justin. He's becoming a, you know, a good friend of mine here locally in Denver. Um, brought him on the podcast. You know, we've started to you know, build this relationship together. He just brought me a deal today, the one that I was just telling you about before we got on here. Yeah. Uh, I won't share details yet because it's not in the boat, but you know, needless to say, this is another one of those larger deals that I've, you know, I've come to uh to find as my little niche and the only reason i got that opportunity is because i had a relationship with somebody so this is you know if anybody's listening to this and they're wondering how to handle some of this uncertainty in the market in my opinion we need to be looking at our relationships as our number one currency it's it's paid off for me but uh now that we're really leaning into that it's um you know it's 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 not only paying off but it's extremely rewarding and and I really enjoy that part of the business. So I'm just yeah. uh, I'm in a good mood today because we got a we got a big deal that we're working. So awesome, very cool. So the topic for today: real estate plus blockchain equals financial certainty. So Paul, what does that mean? Well, first of all, um, let's let's reference the second wealth commandment, which says we have to remember the difference between preference and binary. So first of all, let me just say this. I'm going to talk today, and you and I are both going to talk about a lot of our preferences. This is not prescriptive. There's not a right or wrong answer to this. This is just the way that I've designed my life, my business. And I think Steve and I are really going to open up today about a concept that we've discussed on a previous show that we learned from Nick Peterson. He learned it from Nassim Nicholas Taleb and a guy named Seneca who's... He's back here. Uh, he's one of my <laughs> stoic philosophers that I love. This is a 2,000-year-old concept. And we've taken this concept and we're applying it to our investing. And what, uh, what this concept of a barbell is, is essentially what, what Seneca calls a bimodal strategy for risk domestication. That's a mouthful of words, mm-hmm. right? So what the heck does that mean? Well, everybody here is probably familiar with a barbell. They've been to the gym. They know what a barbell is, Right. Well, when you're loading a barbell and you want to lift a barbell, you don't load weight in the middle of the bar. You either load it on this end or you load it on this end. And ideally, you've got relative symmetry there, right? Um, And so the idea here is that we either want to be, uh, well, in the medical world, they call this um, uh, minimum effective dose mm-hmm. on one side. And on the other side, they call it maximum recoverable volume. In the computer science world, they call it explore, exploit. We're going to reference this as reliable on one side of the barbell and upside on the other. And if you guys are watching this live, I'm going to do some of this uh, here on my handy dandy whiteboard here in a second. But let me describe a quick story, Steve. And you and I have heard Nick probably explain this story quite a number of times, but it really helped me understand the idea of nothing in the middle. Like 
we, we don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be loading the bar in the middle because it's really difficult to pick that bar up. We either want to be on this side or this side, meaning we either want reliability or we want upside. Right. And so the example he gives is let's say you were trying to gain 10 pounds of muscle, right? You're uh-huh. trying to make a, a pretty meaningful change to your body's composition. So in order to, let's say, maintain your current physical fitness level, you know, so for me, um, I wouldn't say I'm in great shape, but I'm like, I'm in decent shape for me to maintain the current, you know, weight and muscle mass and, you know, cardiovascular, all the stuff that you could probably measure. Right. I need to get in the gym and play basketball like three times a week. Yeah. You know? And it's just cardio. Like, I just need to do that. If I do that, I'll pretty much just maintain where I'm at. Now, of course, there's other factors. I'm sure people are going to be like, what about diet and all this other stuff? Well, yeah, of course, those other things apply. But let's just take it for what it is, right? If I go to the gym three times a week for 30 minutes, let's say, I'll maintain the current level I'm at now. But if I want to put on 10 pounds of muscle and dunk a basketball, like let's say, yeah. It might mean I need to get in the gym six days a week for an hour in order to like hit that goal to, to put 10 pounds of muscle on and to, and to dunk a basketball. Let's say I've decided it's going to take me six days a week for an hour. Probably 90 minutes. Let's say six times yeah. 90 minutes. Let's say, let's say it's 90 minutes. The point is, it's like, here's the line where if you want to actually make a meaningful change, you have to do at least this. Right. Which is more than double. What you're doing right now right it's not a so little more exactly so i'm going to go to the whiteboard <clears throat> and so let's say you know here's our barbell so on this side it's let's say 90 minutes per week and what's nine times six steve 720 minutes i don't know is it let's just say it's 720 minutes sure so the point is is like if i want to actually put on, do what I say I'm going to do. I need to work out this much in order to maintain. I need to work out this much. What's what happens if I work out 500 minutes? Nothing. It's, it's, it's more than I need to maintain, but it's less than I need to actually make a, a meaningful change to my body. Right. So, so the way that the Stoics and Nassim Nicholas Taleb and our mentors have taught us is this is wasted energy because we don't want to load weight in the middle of the bar. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're better off taking that 500 and, and recapturing 410 minutes out of it. Put right. the 90 here, take that 410 minutes and go do something else because you're not going to make the meaningful change you need. You know, and, and another example I was thinking of is like, and I don't, I don't know if this perfectly applies, but it's like, well, if you want to, if you want to get that deal, you might have to call that seller 40 times. Right. Well, we know like it takes about, I want to say on average, like seven or eight touches to get a hold of somebody. Right. Right. And to get a contract, like something like 15, 18 touches, right? On average, you want to get the contract. It's not like if you're doing one to five touches, you're doing very, very few deals. But sure. if you go to 20 touches, you're doing a lot of deals with the same exact database, same exact marketing, right? 
everything's the same except for effort. But if you're doing, if you go from four call attempts to 10 call attempts, that's still not enough to close the deals. But if you're giving everyone 20 call attempts, now we have a heavy volume of contracts coming in. Exactly. That's a great application. The point is you, you got to recognize that either we want to be in the reliable side or we want to, you know, in this, in the, in the example that I gave before it was maintain and then make a meaningful change. In this case, we're talking about reliability and asymmetry to the upside. Let's just shorten Mm -hmm. that to say upside. What do we mean by that? It means, well, on the reliable side, we want to be locking in, constantly locking in our financial certainty. You know, on this in in this call, we talk or uh, this podcast, we talk a lot about this solvable problem. And the idea is that this solvable problem is the roadmap, kind of like the Google Maps, to to go from where we are to where we want to get to. And we've got to define that so that we know the most efficient path to go. The reliable side means we want to be locking that in and like making sure that we get what we want in a mm-hmm. timeline that's appropriate. Cause what does Dan say? If you can't, if you're not using your businesses and your investments and all your things, right. To get the things that you want, then what's the point? Exactly. Exactly. So, so let's go back to the title of this show, real estate plus blockchain equals financial certainty. And so I'm, I'm going to, I think we should spend most of this show talking about our personal barbells and how we're thinking about building out our investment strategy and how we're using both real estate and blockchain to get financial certainty. So back to the whiteboard. Um, so here's the, oh, I got to figure out how to get into the middle of this thing. Hold on. So here's the barbell. And so on this side, we've got reliability. I don't know if anybody can see this. Yep. Hopefully you can. And this side, we've got upside. So I think first, and, and if anybody's listening to this, do this with me. Grab a piece of paper. This is literally what we do in the whale club. We walk the whales through this process because we want people to zoom out first Let's look at the f- the first barbell is the biggest barbell. So what do you have that's reliably locking in your financial certainty? For me, that's real estate. Boop. There's that side of the barbell. You want to take a guess what's on this side? Blockchain. Blockchain. So this is, first of all, from a high level, this is how I think about financial certainty. It means I want to be locking in with real estate and blockchain is my upside play. And we'll keep, we'll kind of keep expanding on this throughout this show. But first of all, let's just get some thoughts on that. Would we agree that real estate is a reliable source of, of income? Would we agree that blockchain and crypto and all the wonderful things on that side of the barbell is an upside play and not reliable yet. I would argue that real estate extremely stable and blockchain is fairly volatile. Yes. Right. So 
not quite upside only. There's ways that we adjust it to be more upside. But if we're looking at the barbell. One is stable. You can also call it reliable. And one is volatile. And we can reduce the, we can reduce the downside, which when we, when we zoom in on the barbell. But on, on the outside, we zoom all the way out on blockchain. Probably volatile is probably where I would start. Yeah, don't give it all away yet, Steve. We're going to get there. All right, sorry. No. So this is... And I learned this word from from Nick. I probably heard it before, but he he calls this uh, what's called fractal. Mm -hmm. So in order to understand what fractal is, think of a tree, right? The tree grows, and then off that tree, you have branches that grow. And then off those branches, there's branches that grow. I mean, even when you look at a leaf, right, you can see all the lines, and it looks like little trees inside mm -hmm. of little trees. Well, that's the same thing. When you zoom in on the barbell, what you notice is that there's barbells inside of barbells. Right. And so it's the same thing with real estate. It's the same thing with blockchain. So it's not like saying real estate, every real estate play is reliable. It's not like saying every blockchain play is an upside play. Right. We'll talk about what that looks like when we zoom in. But what we want to avoid is anything in the middle. Why? Because it's more than we need to lock in. And it, it doesn't have upside. So back to the board, what is this called? I hear people say it's a J-O-B, like it's a job. Right. What you have is a job. And what I mean by that is it's not predictable. It's not reliable, meaning I would rather know I'm going to spend eight hours a day on my business every single day. than some days I have to spend six, some days I have to spend 16. I have no clue what it's going to be day over day because there's fires everywhere. There's no systems. There's no processes. There's no reliability. So reliability means predictability. I can accurately predict what I'm going to get for this. What's a great example, Steve, of a predictable, reliable asset or a component, let's just say, of real estate? Rental property. Rentals. I mean, that is, that is as predictable in my mind as you can get. Right, so you got rentals. Now again, preference versus binary. This is not prescriptive. It's not like saying this is the, the case for everybody because what I'm, gonna, what I'm gonna share next may not be true for everyone. One of the things I'm absolutely ter about, terrible at, and if you've listened to this show, you probably know this, is, is fix and flips. What do I mean by fix and flips being loaded in the middle of the bar? It means, Sometimes they go well and they're, they, you know, they're reliable and sometimes they go completely haywire and we lose, a, you know, six figures like I'm about to lose on one of my deals. It's like, it's no, it's neither reliable and it's not, and there's not enough upside to make it worth it. So for me, that's the definition of loading in the middle of the bar. Right. So you don't get upside, but, you don't get reliability, you get, to, you still get to do all the work. We don't get the reliability or the upside. That's right. But who do you know that's an excellent fix and flipper? You know, a lot of people are excellent fix and flippers. Where do you think that falls for them? If they're good at it, reliable. Bingo. So the goal is not like saying everything you do is always going to be reliable right off the bat. It means we want to take the things that are here. We want to move them across to become reliable. Right? You might have this new business that you start. Let's say you're trying to get into wholesaling. 
And anything you do, first of all, for that matter, anything that's new that you do inherently is upside. It's inherently an upside play, right? So you start this new business. Is that reliable? No, it's an upside play. But then what happens is we want to move it from this side to this side. Right. So that it becomes reliable and predictable <clears throat> and consistent. And so when I think about my, my wholesale real estate business, um, my goal is not to create more work for myself because it's not my upside play. It's my reliable play. So I'm trying to become more efficient, uh, cost effective. I'm trying to keep my staff low, right? And we're trying to make it as reliable as possible. That's how I think about it. Yeah, streamlining it. This is where we talk about policies, procedures, systems, uh, consistency, and uh, you know how we follow up with the leads effectively, uh, what the process is once we open escrow. Put all these policies and procedures in place, not because it's fun, but because we're trying to create reliability and consistency in our process and our business and, and the really the seller experience, the homeowner's experience in the transaction. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about now. So, okay. So we've got the kind of the general concept here, right? So real estate plus blockchain equals financial certainty. We're leveraging these two assets, but we're trying to keep them on opposite sides, which means two things. Real estate needs to move towards more reliable. Blockchain needs to not become a job. Yeah. Right. And if it and if it is going to start moving towards the middle, we need to find a way to make it reliable. It means another way of saying this is like we what what we teach people how to do inside the wheel club. Obviously, as you know, is one of the things we teach is how to earn passive income. Mm -hmm. What's the quickest way to turn something that's passive into a job by looking at it, pressing buttons, fiddling with it all the time, checking it constantly. Now you've you're just wasting resources on something that should have been an upside play or it should be a reliable play. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of looking at every single day, you know, I kind of like think of like, um, you know, quote unquote day traders. But if you believe in the upside and you believe on a macro level, but you're behaving like a day trader, you turn that upside play into a job. You know, it's like, that's just really well said. I'll just leave it at that. Let's talk about real estate because what we said is when you zoom in, mm -hmm. so if you zoom in on the real estate side, what you'll notice is there's a barbell inside of that. Yeah. So we're talking so about case and points. I mean, we can look at it myself, right? If you can draw this out, you know, on the barbell, really, if we look at the reliable side in my business, it would be the title company. All right. The title company. The sales training. Maybe our fix and flip slash wholesale side. Right? We have months that are not very exciting. We have months that are super exciting. Right? But if you look at, if we're going to take the real estate side and zoom in a little bit further. Oh, and I guess on the left-hand side, we could put my rental properties. Right? So yep. those, that's the reliable side. 
And then the upside side is the fix and flip and the wholesale. Right. And what do you do? Like when this does well, awesome. the idea is that's great. Let's take the cash from here and use it to lock in more reliability. Exactly. You know, for a lot of us, that means buy more rentals. You know, I mean, this is this is not this is not a complicated thing here, right? It's like we might be dressing it up in this idea of barbells, which we find helpful to think: Am I loading this in the middle of the bar? Is this a reliable play, or is this an upside play? It's a visualization tool, right? Which I think is important because we all look at things, we all comprehend things differently, so we're just mm -hmm. visualizing it by putting it on paper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so so it's it's good to have both. Right. But, um, but again, let's talk about some specifics in real estate. Cause we're, we're talking to a lot of real estate investors here, right? right? So maybe you're not in blockchain yet. That's, that's totally fine. You don't, your barbell is going to look different than mine. And so let's, let's say, for example, you've got, you know, here's the barbell, um, in real estate, what are some traditionally reliable sources um, and, and let's re remember our audience, right? We're talking to a lot of people who are investors, of course, right? Uh -huh. So rentals in my mind, that is like probably one of the most reliable things. Um, and maybe it's just, it's better to just speak anecdotally because, you know, I, I really only have thought through my specific barbell and I, how could I imagine what, you know, the infinite number of possibilities are. So I might just share if that's all right with you, just how I see my barbell and maybe this huh? is helpful for others. So I think of rentals. I've got a handful of rentals, short-term rentals, long-term rentals, mid-term rentals. One of the favorite, my most favorite things is innovations, not because you are, uh, you know, a member of that, but because they actually work and they're a great way. What I mean by this is the downside is very low, right? We're not closing on it. I don't have to close on that. Like a fix and flip is right in the middle. A novation, I'm not taking that risk, right? So wholesale, that's also, in my mind, low risk, more reliable. And reliability has a lot to do with risk in this case. Uh -huh. um, I, would, I would say small teams... I don't want a big team. The bigger the team, you know, what does Nick say about system reliability, right? The more things that need to go right, the less likely it is to go right. Yeah. Not saying that big teams are a bad thing. All I'm saying is, for me, I don't really want to solve that problem. Well, you know, uh, Ren had posted something yesterday, <clears throat> and he was disappointed with himself and his own performance, right? Because he and I have our sales leadership training. And he's like, I'm the guy who's teaching people how to source talent effectively, right? And here I go, hiring somebody that we blew. Like, we just, we screwed it up, right? And he's, like, beating, he's like being tough on himself. So I commented on this post. I was like, look, this is a great. You're a human. And the only thing that's unreliable in a system is the human. Don't be so tough on yourself. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, Dr. Jeff says that he's like, you know, <clears throat> you don't have to be the perfect model example of the things that you're saying in order to have something valuable to say about it. Right? right. Like we're all still human. We all make mistakes. It doesn't make the the information any less true what we have to share. So, yep. um, 
And then on the left side of your barbell, um, this may not apply to you, but it may apply to some of our listeners. Uh, lender, right? Some of us have aspirations to have a bunch of, make a bunch of active income so that we can become short-term lenders. Right. No, I agree with that. Um, I, I, I like that one a lot. You know, the other one that pops into my head is, is retail because, you know, we really have a couple strategies that we do. We do innovations, wholesale, retail, and some creative strategies, things like that. In my mind, all of those are low downside. Yep. They're low downside because if, if, we, if we get the creative deal, I mean, we're usually getting at the terms we need to cash flow it, right? Like uh -huh. if we don't get it, we didn't have to close on the house. It's like we're buying it already in a great position. Same thing with rentals. Novations, very, very low downside. If I stick it on the market and I can't sell it, well, I explained that to the seller up front. This, this may not work at this price. you know. And, uh, and so you, you're protected from the downside. Same thing with wholesale. You know, Again, there's a lot of people who might take this as like, we are, let's just say this, we are very upfront with our sellers what we are doing before we're doing it, right? It's just, right. this isn't like a bait and switch. Hey, I'm going to just, you know, lock the house up and try to sell it. If I can't sell it, oh, I can just back out. It's like the, the sellers understand the risk of, of these, of these types of strategies as well. But small teams, lending, retail, in my mind, these are all things that, that I do in my business. Sounds like you do as well that are quote, reliable, low downside. On the upside, I think about, I mean, developments. Like I'm getting into like the one I was talking about earlier today. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity in development deals to make a lot of money. Um, what I've what I've done to mitigate the downside risk is partner with some of the best builders and experts in the industry, right? So um that's how I mitigate the downside is through relationships. But, you know, developments have upside. One of the things I really like about upside is raising money. Yep. You know, as we're doing a lot this, guys, of upside in there. As we're doing this, you know, again, break out a piece of paper, draw this out, identify for your own business, for your own life, what it looks like for you. Go ahead, Paul. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you notice, I don't have as many things on my upside play because most, because it's the 80, 20 rule kind of in action here. What are your pot tops at? On the right hand side. Because it's not, it's not predictable. Like we can make a couple hundred grand. We can make half a million, mm -hmm. you know, it's not, it's not reliable because we don't, I have no idea when my next one's coming. Right. So it's an upside play. And I want to make sure that my upside plays, um, first of all, I'm doing everything I can to eliminate as much downside as possible. But I also want to do as much as I can to eliminate the amount of time I have to spend on it as possible as well. Right. Because the more time you spend, the further it inches into the middle, right? Yep. And if you're going to spend time on it, you got to make it reliable, right? So again, we either want it to be reliable with low amount of effort and energy put into it, or we want it to be upside with low amount of energy and effort put into it. 
So if you're going to spend time working on something and like really grinding away at it, your goal should be to move it here, right? Or find ways to create a massive amount of upside in the deal. Right. And you look at, I know this isn't real estate related, right? But I love the way like Nick put this. I think it was Nick that put it this way. If you look at the tech billionaires, right? They understand this concept inherently. We just didn't realize it, right? But you look at Amazon, you look at Tesla, right? The upside was far superior. And they spent a lot of time on it to get that far superior upside. So if you're going to spend time on it, it either needs to be extremely reliable or there better be a ton of upside. But if it doesn't have either, stop spending time on it. Allocate those resources somewhere else. That's it. It's the idea of you're going to the gym too much, but not enough to mm -hmm. make the change that you want. So um, what I would encourage everybody to do is figure out what is loading the bar in the middle for you. Where are you? What areas of your real estate portfolio? What areas of your business? Because again, we're using, we're operating under the equation of real estate plus blockchain equals financial certainty. So let's first look at the real estate side. You should have a barbell within that. Mm -hmm. Is your business reliable and predictable? If not, can I make it reliable and predictable? If not, does it have massive upside? Yep. If not, get rid of it. You know, let's go back in here to the barbell, right? So we'll go barbell within the barbell. If you can, uh, uh, are you done with your, with your case in point for yourself personally? Yep. All right. So then let's look at uh, another one. Uh, for me, right, if you draw another barbell, let's look at marketing. On the left-hand side, cold calling, right? If I make this many dials, my team, obviously, not Steve, right? If we make this many dials, we'll have this many contacts or this many conversations or this many appointments or this many contracts. That's just the way it is, right? Mm -hmm. On the right-hand side, I would put Audantic, A-U-D-A-N-T-I-C, right? This is not my most reliable lead source. It's my favorite lead source because if we get an Audantic deal, these are gigantic numbers, right? You know, we've had multiple six-figure deals, wholesaling, coming from Audantic. So that is the upside play. Right. Well, and also it's important. So let's talk about that because what makes it an upside play is that if you're wrong, not that big of a deal. Right. Because if you're right, it's like, boom, like we just, we just, you know, we cover at the entire year's expenses maybe mm -hmm. right in one or two deals. Right. Um, and that's the point. If the downside is really big, like, you know, if you're wrong and you don't get any deals, your marketing is crippled, you know, that your business would come, you know, come crashing down, let's say. But if you're right, then, you know, that you still have the same amount of upside. But if your downside is so big, again, that's that's the definition of loading in the middle of the bar. So what we mean when I say upside is not just that it has upside. Remember, I've shortened that phrase because it's just it's a mouthful of words. Mm -hmm. it, it needs to be asymmetric to the upside. Right. What that means is it's not like a 
It's not like a normal bell curve. It's like we want to draw this curve so it's like that. So we have a lot of upside on this side, right? And the downside is very low. And again, I don't know if people are math people. I'm a math guy, so sorry. You're going to get what you get. Yeah. Um, point is, is like audantic, low downside, high upside. That's what makes it an upside play. Mm -hmm. Let's continue. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking as far as like for my own business, those would be, or I guess uh, on the right-hand side, direct mail, right? Uh, on the right side is definitely not on the reliable side. It's on the, it's on, for me personally, it's on the right-hand side, right? Our direct mail deals, the margins are larger than the cold calling deals, right? Cold calling um, not as much margin, right? Because we're catching them earlier in the pain cycle. Direct mail, you've had pain for some time now, and you finally called me. Matter of fact, we're doing a direct mail deal right now. We mailed them in February, right? So, but it's got tremendous upside. Like the margins are just larger on that side. Can I ask you a question about direct mail? Because I've yeah. got a love hate relationship with direct mail. I think everyone does. Um, yeah. You know, it's like Trump. You don't have like a. Uh, you're not middle of the road. One or the <laughs> you other. cannot be middle of the road yeah. with direct mail or Donald Trump. Um, do you use a vendor to do your direct mail? Of course. Okay. What I found was I was trying to do direct mail, but do it all myself at the beginning. That's a job. That's a job. That's the definition friend. of a job. You do, you don't have. It's like so unpredictable because you're like, I mean, I I I. To be honest, man, I sent out like two or three months worth of direct mail with a number that didn't work. And it's like I, I probably spent like 10 G's doing that. Yeah. And I and I just I have I just still to this day have anxiety about direct mail because I'm like, did I do everything right? Like, is, is everything set up? And, you know, I'm constantly testing the system. So, again, I used a vendor because I was like, if I'm going to if I'm going to spend time on this, I need to make it reliable. Yeah, well. For me, right, and maybe there's a lesson here somewhere, right? If I'm gonna spend ten thousand a month on direct mail, I'm gonna pay the other fifteen hundred dollars a month to make sure it gets sent. Because what happened when we were doing it in-house years ago is that we would pull the data, we would have someone print it for us, they would deliver it to our office, and they would collect dust at our office. Mm -hmm. Right? So we spent all this money to lose all the momentum. Because we were the bottleneck. We were the ones causing problems. It's easier to just spend the extra 1500 bucks a month, pay an investor machine, and just know it's going out like clockwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. What's another, what's another reliable source for you where you put X in, you know you're going to get Y out? Direct response marketing, right? That's PPC. It's great. You know, it's... I also like PPC because it's, um, it's, I wouldn't say low effort, but it's, it's a little bit more scalable. Uh, you, you, you know, it's leverageable, right? I think that's one of the things I really like about social media is you can put one post out and hundreds, if not thousands of people can see that. Right. Um, so you're getting that constant touch to me. That's a reliable source. Um, Anything on that or anything else you want to add to this side? That's it for me. How about relationships and referrals? Oh, Where does that sit? Definitely on the left. 
I mean, what's the downside if one of your relationships doesn't bring you a deal? Pretty, pretty low, right? Right. Maybe it cost me an extra Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's pretty low. That's why I love it. And, and it's also fairly reliable, meaning like the more people that you know and the more value you add to those people, typically the more predictable the value you receive back is. Well, let's talk about it, right? Because you talked about this on Sunday and uh, one of our, in our, you know, our weekly call. You have a new program for your organization. Yep. What is it? You want the you want the short version, I assume. Yeah. Um, we are leading. We are. We are going to double down on what what the data is showing me. Frankly, this has nothing to do with my own intuition this is just like we have a board over there where we put sticky notes up on the board for all the deals that we've gotten throughout the year Mm -hmm. right we've got about 30 deals on the board that we've done um a little lower than i would like some of these are big deals some of these are small deals however when i look across these boards it's like referral 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 it's like 80 percent of our deals were referrals because we're just so freaking charming, Steve, that everybody wants to do business with us. No, I'm of kidding. But <laughs> the point is, is like, I believe this business is about relationships, period. End of, end of sentence. And so we're going to double down on that fact. I'm going to help my team build their own personal brands because the guys who do, you know, folks who do uh, deals with Philip and the sellers who sell to Philip. Sell to him because he has built a connection with them. They're not doing it because he can pay the most or is like presenting more offers or whatever. It's because he built rapport with that seller and they want to do business with him. The agents who bring us opportunities, they do so because they know we can get the job done for them. You know, Justin, who brought that deal to me yesterday that we just went out today, I was telling you we're trying to raise $1.3 million for. He brought that because we have a relationship together. So we're going to just lean in very heavily into that. Why? Because the downside is extremely low. Yep. Best case, worst case scenario is we made a bunch of friends. And there's a specific KPI you guys are tracking. It is. We call them high quality touches. Um, What that means is go find ways to add value to people. And I'm forcing my team to articulate how they've added value to relationships. Sometimes it can just be calling somebody up to be like, man, I really like that post you shared. I, I got a lot of value out of that. It's giving gratitude to someone mm-hmm. else being saying, thank you for everything you've done for me. We write a lot of handwritten notes. We do a lot of video messages, right? Where I, it's like, you got to text somebody something, turn the camera on and say it to them. That's so much more powerful than a text message. It takes less time. We've time studied it. Right. So it's like, it actually takes less time to just turn the camera on and just say what you got to say. It builds a significant higher level of connection. Um, so this is really the general strategy we're taking, which is uh, we feel that we have a lot of value to give. And instead of focusing on how do we, um, I think we're operating under the assumption of reciprocity, right? If we can, 
give enough value in the world and and elevate our relationships and put people in positions to win, that's going to flow back downhill to us. We know that to be true because it's been the case for the last two years yep. in my business. And before you continue, you know, guys, we go deeper into these conversations on the Whale Club. So if you're interested, join our Discord, go to blockchainwhales.com. Check out all our free information. If it sounds interesting, you can join us at Discord. Link's there. Doesn't cost anything to join our Discord. All right, go ahead, Paul. So let's talk about blockchain now, because mm -hmm. that's the other side of the equation that we're right. leaving out. Um, we're all, you know, we I think we all understand real estate. So by now, what you should have already done is you should draw out the high level of your life. What do you have that's reliable that you're using to lock in your financial certainty? Before we jump into that, would it make sense to just spend a couple minutes talking about FTX? Because I think that's like something on everyone's minds. Right. Woo, the, the elephant in the room. I forgot about him. How could I have forgotten about him? Yeah. So it's fascinating to me. Right. Because the people are like, man, uh, this FTX thing is proof that crypto is a scam. Right. It's see? proof. See, right? you guys were all wrong. Crypto's crypto's a scam. Yeah. And I see it all over Facebook. You know, people are like, see, I knew blockchain was crap. I knew this was that and whatever. And they were like, and they're like trying to embarrass everyone. And every time, like, who's still in here? Who's still on the blockchain? And every one of those, I just type, I'm still here, right? Yeah. And so I'm bringing this up because, you know, it's an elephant in the room, but people are looking to this as like, this is proof that blockchain doesn't work. No, this is proof that there are bad actors, right? Like Enron wasn't that long ago. I mean, that was, I don't know, 2005, whatever. But I mean, that's just a bad actor who had double entry over here, moving money from one company to another company, right? There is nothing right now to stop Chase Bank, CEO, you know, uh, is it, it's Jay Diamond. I can't remember exactly his name is, right? I'm not saying there's nothing to stop him, but there's nothing to stop. I'll give you another example, actually. Law firms, right? Law firms have escrow accounts, right? And what they do with escrow accounts is it's there to not be touched, right? And we got, was it Michael Avenetti? I think that was the guy, the attorney last year mm -hmm. or a couple years ago, right? What did he go to jail for? Touching the escrow account, right? He took funds that belonged to a client and misappropriated it for his own personal use, mm -hmm. right? So when everyone's talking about like FTX is a scam, reality is, was it a scam? Yes, it was not a blockchain scam. It was a scam artist operating within the blockchain industry. But the good news is, as a result, there'll be more regulation. Now, most people think regulation is a bad thing. But you and I disagree with the general public. What is, what is your opinion on regulation in our industry? The best example to understand this, I think, is the airplane example. Right. So everyone's familiar with an airplane, I hope. And... Uh, you know, the airplane was, it was like 1915, 16, 18, something like that. Nin early 1900s was when the airplane was invented. And there were a lot of plane crashes for a lot of years. I mean, people were falling out of the sky and dying. That's the reality of it. What happened was the U.S. government stepped in and said, we're going to create the FAA because this has got to stop. Because we've got to make sure that we protect people um, because this is dangerous and we're going to put rules in place and regulations so that we make sure that this doesn't happen. 
That's the, in my opinion, that's the same thing we're seeing right now in crypto. We're seeing a bunch, and, and to your point about FTX, I don't care what technology you're using. If you're lying, cheating, and stealing, that has nothing to do with the technology. It has everything to do with predictable human behavior. It's predictable that people are going to do that. Wake up, people, right? If you didn't think that that was, and I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's a bad thing overall for the sentiment of crypto. It's going to hurt the market and the general sentiment around crypto. But we've got to start realizing there's a big difference between cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. So first of all, if you do illegal stuff, you know, you're going to get in trouble one way or another. Like it's just going to catch up with you. So that's what happened with FTX. It has nothing to do with blockchain technology as an underlying technology. So, yeah. so for those said, of us who have what's that? So with that said, let's go back into this. I just wanted to just address the elephant in the room real quick. Yeah. Um so well, let's barbell just talk about, to blockchain. Yeah, let's talk about the barbell. So <clears throat> on blockchain, because we zoomed in on the on the barbell on the blockchain side. Now let's zoom in on the uh on the real estate side. Now let's zoom in on the blockchain side. So here's our blockchain barbell. So what the heck is reliable in blockchain? I didn't think there was anything that was reliable in blockchain, says most of the people probably listening to this. Right. I'm sure. What's, so what was reliable on this side? The first thing that we kept talking about in real estate, what's the most reliable thing? Passive income. Rentals. Yeah, rentals. Like we can predictively, it's very predictable with a rental property what we're going to get. Let's just call it passive income. Like you just said. Yeah. Yep. Let's call this side, you know, we call it upside. I'm just going to call it gambling. Because <laughs> that's what most people think of crypto as. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right. The, the way most people buy crypto is they just go buy some coin and they hope that it goes up in value. I mean, it'd be like if real estate investors went out and bought a house didn't put any tenants in it, didn't get any debt on it, and just held it for two years and sold it hoping that appreciation, you know, made them money. That's literally how people trade crypto and they wonder why. And, and people like us, you know, it's like it's no surprise why most real estate investors are like, I don't want anything to do with blockchain because I'm not a gambler. Right. Well, that's very understandable. The best part about what we figured out, Steve, as you know, is that we have figured out how to create passive income in the same way that we do with rental properties and real estate. We can do the exact same thing in blockchain. And I'm like pounding my desk because I'm so passionate about this. It's like, um, I don't really want to get into the specifics of that today because we've laid it all out. I've taken a lot of time to lay this out. If you want to learn how to earn passive income, with crypto, this is what we teach you in the Whale Club. First thing you need to do, go to blockchainwhales.com. Blockchainwhales.com. There's four masterclasses. The first one breaks down everything you need to know about how to earn passive income in crypto, how we're doing it. The short version of that, for those who want to skip that, is we're yield farming. And I may have just like tweaked some people. They're like, what the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Right. Go watch my videos. You'll learn what it is. Right. It's the free masterclass on blockchainwheels.com. 
Yep. And then we have an entire community of several hundred real estate investors and crypto investors who are doing this. <clears throat> and um, I, I will, last thing I'll say about it is, is it's no surprise most people don't know about this because DeFi, decentralized finance and yield farming, these opportunities were not a thing before about 2019. So it is brand new. It is new innovation in tech. Um, so if you want to get an unfair advantage on the rest of the other folks in the real estate world and learn how we're creating this upside, I mean, just go watch that video. Just go watch yeah. these videos, blockchainwells.com. That's all I'll say about that. The best part about what we're doing is we're creating, back to the barbell, we're creating a passive income source with our principal that stays in U.S. dollars. It stays in U.S. dollars. And we earn crypto for free. So then what do we do? We shift that free crypto and we gamble with that. We gamble with house money. Mm -hmm. It means as I'm getting more coins, here's the things I want more of. Bitcoin, ETH, Guard, infrastructure. If you don't know what any of that means, I'm not going to explain it here. Go follow us into our community. We talk about all this stuff. What this means is Bitcoin, ETH, and Guard are three coins that I want to hold long term. Are they going to go up and down? Yes. So I'd rather get them for free, which is what right. we're doing. Yep. We get them for free. Infrastructure means in order for crypto and blockchain to be a thing, Let's take the internet, for example. We're all familiar with the internet. You gotta, in order to have the internet, you need networks. You need cable providers. You need people that can design uh, circuits. And you, need, you just need all these things, right, in order to make this go. Like if you're a car, right, you need someone to make the engine and someone to make the body and all the, the tires and all the stuff, right? That is the infrastructure, underlying infrastructure that exists in that, uh, in that asset. So there's the same thing in crypto. Again, I'm going to throw out a bunch of words that people may not be familiar with. But you need oracles. You need insurance. You need exchanges. You need all, sor all sorts of networks and diff different things like this. And so I'm betting on all of those things and spreading it out because I'm saying if this is going to grow long term, we need all these things. Right. So just to be clear for everyone who's listening, right, we're taking cash that we have, we're parking it to in stable coins, more or less, that spits off three dollars, <coughs> taking those dollars and using that to quote unquote gamble. But that's money, that's house money. Because that's money we got for free because we parked it. Yeah. And what makes it asymmetric to the <coughs> upside? It means again, what does asymmetric to the upside mean? It means the upside is big and the downside is really low. What's the downside of losing a bunch of coins you got for free? Zero. Zero. Zero downside. I mean, I hesitate to say zero downside because obviously there's not zero downside. There's, there's, there's inherent risk to any investment. I'm not a financial advisor, so please do your own research, right? 
But what we're trying to do is not say, how do we eliminate it completely? We're trying to, what Nick says, domesticate risk. What that means is we want to reduce it as much as possible. Yeah. I don't want to buy all these coins with my own principal when I can just get them for free. Right. And the, I love the way Dan Nicholson puts it, right? If we can eliminate almost all the downsides, what are we left with? Only upside. Only upside. So, so that's it. And this is the thing is, is everybody wants to go faster. They're like, yeah, but this has a tremendous amount of upside. Why don't I just push all my chips into the middle? Because I'm holding pocket aces, man. It's like, yeah, but if you lose to a straight or, you know, triple, like, or like a flush or any of these things, right? Like, you lose all your money. Yeah. Yeah, so like, if you're right, you mean big. If you're wrong, you're out of the game. Huh. Yeah. And the point is to always avoid situations where it's game over. Where we can't play yep. anymore. If you can't play, then that wasn't a very good bet. Right. You know, we've described the the analogy where um, you can fall 30 times from a foot off the ground and it won't hurt you at all. But if you fall one time from 30 feet, it could kill you. Yeah, that's the same idea here is we want to create a scenario where if we're wrong, it doesn't really hurt us. Right. And, and the way you manufacture that is through this barbell strategy. So I know we're running out of time. So maybe let's recap, Steve. Yeah, please. So. First step. Do your big barbell. Draw a barbell on a piece of paper. And, and put everything you do as far as investments or work, if you're working at a job, like this, another great example. Let's say you're working at a job and on the side, you've got a side hustle where you're investing in real estate and you're, you're making calls trying to get that first wholesale deal. Well, your job is your reliable, your wholesale is your upside, right? So chart this stuff out, get clear. Is your business loaded in the middle of the bar? If it's unpredictable and unreliable, meaning you don't know what's coming in every month. You don't know what you're going to spend. You don't know how much time you're going to spend. It's a job. You need to ask yourself, can I make this reliable? And if not, if it doesn't have upside, get rid of it. So first thing is draw your big barbell and really do a lot of self. Uh, this, is a, this is a challenging exercise. I put a lot of time and thought into this, so it may seem easy but it's not, right? Do, do yourself a favor and look at that. Then zoom in on each, you know, asset and ask yourself, do I have a barbell inside of that barbell? Because if you don't, you might be taking more risk than you need. Or misallocating resources. Or misalloc, yes. That's a great way to, that's a great way to say it. Right, so zoom in on each asset. And then lastly, eliminate waste. It's another way of Dan would say recapture and reallocate those resources. Means if it's not reliable and it's not upside and you can't push it towards one or the other, I mean, you might need to look at yourself and say like, I think I need to get rid of this business. I think I need to get rid of this investment. We all got those rental properties 
that like just we're all constantly going over and dealing with it. And, oh, always tenant problems, whatever. It's not reliable and it provides you no upside. Why do you still have it? That hurts because I'm still trying to sell my Oklahoma property. I mean, yeah, <laughs> this is a painful exercise because you're going to realize like, crap, I don't have reliability and I don't have upside here. That's the benefit of this exercise is you're going to recognize where you can, you know, take that, take that rental property, get rid of it, recapture those resources and reallocate it to something that's actually serving you. Yep. So guys, um, a lot of information here. I want you guys to think about this, digest this and see if you can come up with a six word update. I posted on Twitter, right? A link. You guys can summarize what you took away from today's certainty talks. Go to my Twitter. Uh, I posted a link on the live chat. Go to my Twitter. Go in there and post your six-word update. We'd love to hear what you guys are taking away from this. And on top of that, you know, when you guys are going there reviewing that thread, you can see what other people are taking away from this. And it might, you know, kind of get your gears going in a different direction as well. So with that, we'll wrap up here. Thank you, Paul. We'll see you guys all later. See you guys.